The following shear has been presented by Dayan Shlomo Cohen, Dayan based in Havat Shalom, Yerushalayim, and author of the Chayshin Mishpat work, Pure Money, and has been brought to you by the Beis Havat Halacha Center. The center can be reached for halachic services, consultations, and shilas at 888-485-VAAD or at thehalachacenter.org. We see from our daf that a ganav who wants to give over to Hegdish the thing that he's stolen, if he gives it to Hegdish before the owner's mitayesh, then it's not considered Hegdish. But if he were to give it over to Hegdish after Yush, then we see that it becomes Hegdish. But why? Although there is only Yush, and we pass in that Yush is not Kona. The answer is that when he gives it over to Hegdish, there's a Shinu Rashut. And a Yush and Shinu Rashut are Kona. But Lahore, we have to understand at the time when the Ganav gave it over to Hegdish, since at that time there was only Yush, there should still be a problem that he was Magdish property that doesn't belong to him. So it meant at the time he gave it over to Hegdish, there was only Yush. After it comes to Hegdish, there's a Shinirushut in Hegdish's hands. But when he gave it over to Hegdish, it was, it wasn't, there was no Shinirushut yet. So you can't be Magdish properly that doesn't belong to you. So how does it become Hegdish? The Rashba asks this question. And he answers that seeing as when it comes to the, to the, to the domain of Hegdish, when it comes to the Rushut of Hegdish, they are Kona because there's a Shinirushut. Also, at the same time, simultaneously, the gun of his Kona, and it's considered that he was Magdish property that belonged to him. The two things happen simultaneously. With Hektish being Kona, it's as if a moment before, it's as if the gun of himself was Kona, and therefore it's considered that he was Magdish property that does belong to him. With this principle, the Ketos in Simon Shinnun Gimel, Sifkot and Aleph, explains another halacha. In Evan Ezer, B'Simen Kav Chet, Sif Aleph, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, that if a Ganav stole a ring, and now he wants to use that stolen ring to marry his Kala, as long as the owner of the ring was Mitzayesh, the Kedushin works. And it's Mikudeshet Midiraisa. Midiraisa, she's Mikudeshet. Here the same question arises. The Chatan, at the time when he gave over the ring, the ring doesn't belong to him because there was only Yush. And Yush is not Kona. The answer is, with the, using the same principle of the Rashba, that since she is Kona, because when it comes to her, there's already Yush and a Shinu Rashut, that happens immediately at the time when he gives it over to her, and it's as if he gave her his property. Therefore it works. But Lahore, there are a number of other problems with this halacha, which we're going to have to understand. Does the Kala know that the ring is stolen? If she doesn't know that the ring's stolen, even though she's cone of the ring, there's certainly a mekach taut. She can, as soon as she finds out that the Khatan gave her a stolen ring, she's going to throw him out on the street. She can certainly say that she would never have agreed to get married with a stolen ring. So it must be that she doesn't know. 
if she doesn't know that the ring's stolen, if, sorry, it must be that she does know that the ring's stolen. If she knows that the ring's stolen, even though there's Yush and Shinarashut, she's going to have to pay back to the owner the value of the ring. Even though Chazal made the Konas Ashuk, that someone who buys from a thief, someone who buys from a gun of after Yush, doesn't have to pay the value of the property to its owner, that's only where the buyer didn't know that it was stolen. Only there has our made a Tekonus Ashuk that you don't have to pay back the value of the stolen property. But where the purchaser knew that it was stolen, Hazal didn't make a Tekonus Ashuk for such a guy. Don't buy stolen property. Therefore, if the Kala knows that it's a stolen ring, she's going to have to pay the owner the value of the ring. Therefore it comes out she received nothing from the Khatan. How can she be Mikudeshit? Even though the ring itself is hers, and as we mentioned in a previous year, with a stolen etrog, that someone who buys, an, buys after Yush and Shinarashut is Yotze, so to make it's considered Lechem, it's considered his etrog. But with Kedushin that won't help. Why? Seeing as she's going to have to pay back the value of the ring to the, to the owner, it's as if he gave her nothing. So what, what, what are we going to say? Maybe we're going to say it's talking about a case where the Khatan, the Ganav, accepted on himself responsibility that he's going to pay off the owners. That's also going to be a problem because the Shulchan Aruch Paskins in Simon Shin Samach Aleph that in such a case where the Ganav accepted responsibility for paying off the owners, it's not considered a Shinu Rashut. It's considered like it's still in the Rashut of the Ganav. The Beit Shmuel in Ebena Ezra wants to explain like this. The Enoch and Ami were talking about a case where she knew it was stolen. And the condition works, how? Because of Hanor. The benefit which the Kala has from the use of the ring, even though she's going to have to pay back the value of the ring, seeing she has Hanor, she has benefit that she can now wear this nice ring on her finger, that Hanor, that benefit is worth money. That Hanor is like a cleese, says the, says the Rashba. When you get benefit from someone, that benefit, even though it's an abstract thing, can be used to make kinyonim. And that's why she's Mikudeshit in this case. We find this principle of Hanor in a number of places. Later on in the same simon in Ebena Ezer, the Shulchanach paskins that you can marry a woman with a borrowed ring. Because of the same principle, that the Kala receives benefit from the ring at the time it's being lent to her, for the fact that she can wear the ring on her finger, Hanot Kishut, the fact she can have Hanor benefit from the ring in the meantime until she has to return it. While we're under the chuppah, there's another everyday halacha that's connected to what we've just been saying. Under the chuppah, the Khatan obligates himself to the Kala with the obligations of, of the Ketubah. This is done with a Kenyan Suda. Either the rabbi or the witnesses give a handkerchief over to the chatan. The chatan takes the handkerchief, lifts it, lifts it up. And with that, he's now mitchayev to the kala, the ketubah. How does this work? How does this Kenyan work? In the Torah, we have a Kenyan chalipin, a bartering agreement. Let's say Reuven has a cow and he wants to change it for Shimon's horse. Once Reuven and Shimon have agreed between them they're going to switch the horse for the cow verbally, Reuven takes physical possession of Shimon's horse and immediately his cow become, belongs to Shimon without any action on Shimon's part. 
That's a Kenyan Khalipin. A Kenyan Suda works in the same way. Let's say Reuven wants to buy Shimon's horse. Reuven has to give over to Shimon his handkerchief or a pen or any other object. By taking by Shimon taking possession of that Suda, of that handkerchief, the horse now become, belongs to Reuven. Even though the horse is not there and he did no action on the horse itself, no action of a Kenyan on the horse itself. In exchange for the handkerchief, he, and now a debt has been created between the two, and Reuven has to pay the value of the horse to Shimon. Afterwards, the Suda must be returned to its owner. Otherwise, the whole Kenyan doesn't work. Therefore, a Kenyan Suda is a very quick and easy way to complete a transaction. You don't need either cash or the object that you want to, want to, want to buy, and you can create a binding obligation. Therefore, it would seem that for the Khatan to obligate himself to his color, she would have to give her handkerchief to the Khatan. And when the Khatan receives it, in return for that, he's, oh, he's going to obligate himself to the color with the obligations of the Ketubah. But if anyone had paid attention to the wedding, they might say that never happens. The witnesses or the, the Rav give over the, 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 the Suda to the Khatan. So how does it work? Explains the Ketsos in Simon Kuf Tzadi Sif Koton Tet that it works in the way of what we call a Kenyan Evid Kanaini. So but how is an Evid Kanaini freed? An Evid Kanaini belongs to his Adon. Someone comes along, pays the Adon the price of the, 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 of the, of the Evid and the Evid goes out to be free. So but even if someone else pays and the owner is Makna to, to the Evid, to someone else. He's not Makna to the person who paid him the money. He's Makna the Evid to himself and the Evid goes out to, for free. So it's like Reuven going into a shop. Reuven pays the shopkeeper and the shopkeeper gives the, gives the, 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 the whatever they want to buy to Shimon. It's not as vote of Shlichut says the Ketzot. And it's the king in Evid Kenani. I pay on for you. I pay and you buy. So that's how the, how the Kenyan Suda is going to work under the Chuppah. The Rabbi gives over his Suda and the Khatan obligates himself to the Kala. So what happens if the Rabbi forgot to bring his handkerchief with him? Can he just take a napkin from the wedding hall from one of the tables and use that? It would seem that he can't because the Suda doesn't belong to him. Although if, it's, if the Kenyan Suda is working like a Kenyan Khalipin, as the Rabbi is going to have to give over something that belongs to him. He can't give something that doesn't belong to him. But we see very often that, that the Rabbis do use the napkin of the, of, the, of the wedding hall. How does it work? Here we have to say it works with Hanor. Seeing as the owner of the hall is lending all his property or renting all his property for the purposes of the wedding, so we have to say that he's prepared to, ha to allow his property to be used for anything that needs to be done with the, for the wedding. Therefore, even though the Suda doesn't belong to the Rav, it's it's being lent to the Rav for the purposes of the Kenyan. And therefore, he has the benefit of the use of this property for the moment. And he gives over that benefit to the Khatan. The Khatan receives benefit, which as we said is like a, something with monetary value. It's like a Kli. In return for receiving that, he's going to obligate himself with the Chiyuvim of the Ketubah to the Kala. But like we said, all this is only on condition that the Suda is going to be returned afterwards. 
If the Khatan doesn't return the Suda, if he puts it in his pocket and leaves the Olam with the, with the, with the, with the, with the, with the handkerchief either of the rabbi of the wedding hall, then the whole Kenyan doesn't work and there is no Chiyuv Ketubah. The Daf Yomi Halacha series has been brought to you by the Beis Havad Halacha Center. To reach the center for Halacha consultation, service, educational seminars or media, please call 1-888-485-VAAD. That's 1-888-485-8223. To sign up to the BHHJ, the Beis Havad's weekly interactive e-journal, please visit www.bhhj.org or you can email us at office at the